Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to welcome Savannah Welch to the Rise Together podcast this week. Savannah is an American actress, musician, and maybe one day podcast host. She is best known for her work in the feature films Boyhood, The Tree of Life, and the History Channel drama Six. Welch is also a member of the alt-country band The Trishas. On November 2nd, 2016, she was at a farmer's market just down the road from where I live in Wimberley, Texas, with her father and four-year-old son when she was struck by a vehicle, and doctors ended up determining that the impact meant that her right leg needed to be amputated. We're going to talk about working through that. Then in 2018, Welch played the role of ex-Marine Don, who lost her leg in an IED explosion in the second season of History Channel's drama Series 6. While shooting, she celebrated the anniversary of her real-life incident. Now she is portraying Barbara Gordon in the third season of the HBO Max series Titans in 2021. We're going to talk about Titans today as well. Please welcome Savannah Welch to the Rise Together podcast. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise together. It is so nice to have you. I love having uh, anyone on the show, frankly, but I love having a, an almost neighbor, a fellow Austinite on the show. Uh, I have attempted to give a little bit of an overview of what you have done professionally in your life, but I'm wondering if maybe in your own words, Savannah, could you tell the listeners a little bit about your story, how you find yourself where you do, and what you believe your purpose for being on this planet actually is? Absolutely. Um, let me see if I can just quickly synopse that for us um, or summarize. Um, yep. You know, you just stated some of the some of the highlights. Um, that's always nice to hear back. <laughs> um, to hear that um, you know the last fifteen to twenty years of my life have been somewhat successful. Um, yeah, I was born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. My dad is a songwriter and a musician, and um, 
Uh, my older brother is also. And most of the people that I grew up around and the families that I grew up around were in the music industry on some level, most of them um, creatives. And um, my mother is a Montessori school teacher. Um, and our upbringing was, you know, just, just very much entrenched in creative out, you know, expression and finding different ways um, that that can come about. And so uh, it wasn't exactly encouraged, you know, I'd say my, my dad almost discouraged a, a path in the music industry because um, it's not it's not the most guaranteed um, successful um, lifestyle and and, um, and it's it can be tough you know but I think as far as the art of it goes that was always very encouraged and um, so I played music some and wrote songs a bit um, growing up mostly when when nobody was home <laughs> and then started uh, getting interested in acting when I was a teenager mostly and and so pursued that and I moved to Austin just out of high school um, 2002 and signed with an agent here and um, and was really looking to explore uh, a lot of aspects of film production and that is screenwriting um, and cinematography I was also really interested in and acting. And so um, I just kind of started working. Um, independent films, I always said kind of, you know, bigger roles and small projects and, and smaller roles and bigger projects as it, as it goes here. In Austin, I kind of went out to LA and, and did a little tap and go out there every once in a while. And um, it, it never really felt uh, like a spot that I needed to be long-term um, you know, in terms of kind of like my, my soul path. And um, I, uh, I, I ended up in a band here in Austin, like you mentioned, the Trishes, and we were on the road and making records for, gosh, maybe eight years. Um, in that time, I had my son, he was born in 2012. And he was on the road with us for the first three years of his life, um, which was crazy. It was amazing. It was very rewarding and, and also really challenging. And um, that taught me a lot. And uh, eventually um, we sort of called a hiatus and, and decided, you know, it was time for us all to kind of go home for a little while and pursue other things. Um, Charlie was not the only baby born in that, in, in that time in our band. So we, we had babies on the road and, um, and it was, we were busy, um, but we all had other, other things that we were wanting to, do and so um, for me it was acting and um yeah so I, I've, I've had some really really amazing opportunities here in, in that realm you mentioned boyhood and tree of life and getting to play dawn in six was was really incredible and and especially uh working on that just under a year after my accident um was just incredibly moving and um so was this last year getting to uh, play Barbara Gordon in Titan so you know as far as my purpose on this planet I definitely think I'm still <laughs> uh that that's something I think I'll always be learning about but when I was hit um that that day in Wimberley and we can kind of go back and talk about this more or if you have specific questions I'm happy 
to, to answer any of them, but there was a moment when I felt like I, um, I was dying and it was in the helicopter, I was being life lighted. And, um, and I, I, I think I was gone, you know, I was the, the memory of that really felt like I, this was me crossing over and there was some sort of exchange that happened. There was like, you know, whatever it was, I was able to communicate with um, to sort of ask that this not be my time. And, um, and when I was asked why, I said, I'm not finished loving the people I love, you know, which is maybe a very stock answer, <laughs> but that's, that's what I could come up with in the moment of urgency. And, um, you know, ultimately, I'm going to give a really cliche general answer, but I think that is my, my ultimate purpose is to just learn how to love um, bigger and better all the time. So, yeah. Well, by the way, if you just stay connected to that, the legacy at the end of your life is going to be something that has absolutely 100% changed the world without a doubt. So I, I love the answer. And here's the thing. I think we all are on something of a journey of becoming and the purpose of our life in some ways is revealed over time as the experiences of our life reveal it. So I think there's something beautiful there. All right. You said a lot of things. I think what's interesting, even just from the very, very beginning, is that here you were raised inside of a family where creative expression, father's a musician, teaching, mother's a teacher, is informing a little bit of how you are thinking about what you might yourself pursue. Obviously, you start in creatively expressing yourself with music, ultimately creative expressing yourself with acting. And my goodness, people, if you have not seen Boyhood or The Tree of Life, like, these aren't movies. These are films. This is cinema. It's some of the most incredible filmmaking I have ever experienced as someone who lived in the movie business forever and ever so that you got to have those as experiences. My goodness, what a gift. But it is an interesting thing that you start the conversation with your dad having maybe been a little bit of a warning signal for some of the stuff that ends up coming with the creative expression inside of the world of music. And I'm wondering how you, as a person who decided to step into that arena anyway, were able to hold some of what he was concerned about, but decide to move forward, trust your instincts and do your work anyway. Sure. You know, I don't I don't want to speak for him in terms of what those concerns might have been. I mean, the, the ones that are obvious is just that it's um, you know, there's not a lot of financial security. <laughs> um it, it can be challenging when your your livelihood is it requires that you're on the road um, all the time um, or that there are many other people relying on your creative output in order to um, you know make a living for them or to stay you know relevant in the eyes of the you know your audience but the thing that comes up that I guess you know I don't know if this answers your question but the thing that I felt my dad really modeled for me was um, a sense of integrity in his work. And that that can be hard, or that's just a balancing act when you're in the entertainment industry is to stay really true to your own integrity and um, to allow yourself to evolve as an artist. Cause it's really common that, you know, one thing works and you just play a character of yourself for, for the rest of your your uh, career. And, um, and I, I really, you know, I, I really took that for, 
from from watching the way that he handled himself in the industry is is was that he stayed true to his own creative integrity as much as he could and to his detriment sometimes he was on a path to be you know a a, a star at one point you know in Nashville and in a in the kind of country music world and he he didn't want to be yeah and he didn't want to be a folk music guy you know necessarily or pigeonholed in any genre i guess and so he he just resisted a lot of um i guess of of that sort of mainstream money profit driven choices i should say and, and i had some resentment about that as, as a kiddo because i was watching all these other dads you know get a lot of attention and, and uh, accolades and um, you know my dad will forever be my my favorite songwriter I'm just his biggest fan whether I'm his daughter or not so that being said I think that that was that was a takeaway that I, I can say I knew going in that was going to be that's a challenge and, it, and it's not one to take lightly and I also could comment on the fact that you know I guess growing up in in a town like like Nashville I I had some resentment about people who um, pursue in the entertainment industries from a really ego centric place whether they're conscious of it or not and so I had just decided you know unless I have something that is worthy of contributing whether it's in my songs um, the way that I perform them or acting in the way that I bring life to these characters. Like, you know, I just, it was like, I would kind of check myself often. And, and sometimes again, to my detriment, you know, I was, there was a, a high bar as far as the talent that I was around. And I just decided yeah. I'm going to woodshed until I have something that is worthy of putting out there into the world. And, um, and that, that kind of meant I, uh, I hid for a long time. <laughs> By the way, though, I mean, there's something beautiful because the question I was asking, it was a reflection of some of what I experienced in being in a corporate role that was the dream job of everyone else. And my desire to truly be myself, which was needing to depart what conventionally was defined as success mm -hmm. and having the people that I loved most or craved love from the most warn me about scarcity that might exist outside of certainty. And I had to make some choices that were more about following my truth and listening to the knowing in my own being to chase my calling instead of my career. And here you had someone who was giving you some guidance, but their guidance was wrapped in a through line of being true to yourself, which is if anyone can have that as like where someone's best recommendations or pieces of advice are coming from, man, what a gift. I, I think it's just a beautiful thing. Now, if it tips into this place where you are maybe your harshest critic and are holding yourself back from lowering the bar just a little bit so that people can get your gift before it's as refined as maybe it would need to be inside of your own set of standards. Okay. Maybe that's a different conversation, but Man, in all in all the things, there's so there's so much good in that. I love I just love that as a, like a piece of advice and that he was willing to maintain integrity, even if it was traded off with some of what would have otherwise been worldly commercial success or radio play or what, like whatever it ends up being in, in, in the world that 
defines what success is in Nashville or anywhere else. All right. Yeah. So then mom is a Montessori teacher. Yes. And before we started recording, you made mention of something. So I just, I find this super interesting as well in a world that is still as upside down as it is in pandemic, you are jumping into homeschooling for the first time. And I'm curious if the influence of mom is in any way giving you a sense of confidence in doing this or if, um, or not. I, I, you know, I've, I mean, obviously we've all experienced some of the hybrid Zoom, the, you know, the last 18 months have certainly introduced us to being uh, more involved as teachers with our teachers than we had before. But the idea of homeschooling is something that is overwhelming for me as a parent of four kids. I'm curious, like, how do you feel as you're getting ready to jump into this next week? You know, I feel uh, a little intimidated. <laughs> um, really excited about the possibilities um you know i'm trying to do the thing where we we you know bring curiosity instead <laughs> um and and you know lower some expectations and stay grateful <laughs> and i'm i i think uh, i just really have no idea about the landscape ahead of us but um but I have talked to, I've connected with other families who are doing this. Um, there's a there's a really great homeschool community here in Austin. Yeah, is thriving, and you know some of that has dissolved or you know temporarily had to um, had to change since the pandemic, obviously. But um, but there's so much support out there if you seek it, and so. You know, there's a, I'm having some really encouraging conversations and um, I'd say, you know, it's kind of an experiment. Yeah. And, you know, talk to me in a few months and I might be pulling my hair out and going, what was I thinking? But um, it just felt like the stars kind of aligned in a lot of different ways in our life. And, um, and I, I felt like this was kind of now the time to, to jump in. My son, well, he's in fourth grade this year. He's nine. So, um, and I just have one, which makes that, you know, easier than having four, my gosh. Um, and so we're going to give it a go. And, you know, it's interesting while you were talking, I was going, wow, we're kind of doing a similar move with him where it's that conventional success and a more, you know, um, uh, you know, well-worn path, I guess, more conventional uh, way of schooling. And we're trying something different where there is the fear of scarcity and, and that uncertainty. And that, I think that's a really brilliant way to put that. Um, so I'm excited for you. What's interesting is like, I've gone through this season of just 18 months of saying yes to things I've never tried before. Yeah. And most of them have been triggers and many of them have exposed some imposter syndrome or insecurity or whatever, because they're new and they're uncomfortable. But I've also found myself passionate about things I didn't even know existed because of the willingness to try the new stuff. And so like, this may just be something that you love. I was in Nashville two weeks ago with my buddy, Carlos Whitaker, and he has homeschooled his kids forever. And the way that he talks about it, it's like one of those things where, hey, until you've been in it, you have no idea how amazing it is. Yeah. So I think it's like part of it's just programming that like we're just trained to be fearful 
or question the stuff that we have less familiarity with. And then once we become familiar, it's like, oh, I've actually seen the matrix. So why would I have never thought of this before? I hope you have that kind of experience. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, we don't, we can't expect ourselves to know what we don't know. And, and so um, it feels liberating, you know, so far. And, um, and that's what it sounds like, you know, it does for a lot of these families. And, you know, the fear always is that your child's going to be behind or that, you know, if for whatever reason you have to stick them in a conventional school situation, um, um, which also, you know, the public school um, in our neighborhood that we're zoned for is great, you know, and, yeah. and so that's, it's, there's no, there's, um, I have nothing really against that either, but we're going to try this. And, um, you know, as an example, yesterday was sort of our like official, <laughs> that's light, a light term, official first day of school. Uh, we went to the chiropractor. We went to a, I took him to a lecture on Steve Ray Vaughan at the Bob Bullock Museum. And they have a great uh, uh, guitar exhibit happening right now, which he, you know, ran around and loved. And, um, and uh, let's see what else we, we, I took him to have a lesson in why you have to get your car inspected to get new tags every year. Yes. We all about that today. Um, you know, and we're also going to do, he's in there reading his, his chapters today right now. And, you know, we're going to try to stay on top of the fourth grade level math, which I feel like I can handle. Um, but anyway, you know, it's amazing. I mean, I have a nine-year-old also in fourth grade and he is wildly different than the wiring of his older brothers and way different than his younger sister. But he, as a person, when it comes to learning is a very like, hands on let's go out back and like touch nature to learn about nature rather than book reading in nature the, like the way that you just des described those experiences these are like this is the way that learning ought to happen i i just i love it i'm super excited for you that's rad so what i found interesting next in the story you were telling is that you yep find yourself following this passion the band is now touring and then collectively as your son is born as other children are being born there's a collective decision to come home. And I think like for um, any of us, many of us, like we all have some point in our journey where we have this decision to come home. But what was interesting about your homecoming is that this transition then into acting was very quickly after it happened, met with an accident. And I'm curious if in the midst, yep, I, I do want to hear a little bit more about that, like the moment of, holy goodness, this is happening. Is it real? Am I going to live? But I'm also in a world where you came home to now transition into the passion of acting. Did you have a moment in this unthinkable thing happening and the possibility of not even making it through? Was it challenging now? You're thinking that you could continue in the line of work. Where did you, did you have moments of like, what am I supposed to do now that this has happened? Or did you just know, oh, I'm going to recover. I'm going to be an actor. It's why I'm here. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. So is your question about post-Trish's? Yeah. Post-Trish's. Yeah. Yeah. Post-Trish's felt like, um, you know, that felt really in alignment with what needed to happen in my life at the time. You know, I had a three-year-old son. And like, like I said, you know, the Trishas, we didn't intend to create that band initially. I mean, it became something that we all 
really loved and valued. But initially it was, it was a total accident that that band came together. We, we performed as a, um, uh, just for a tribute, a living tribute show um, for my dad. There were many, many artists that, um, that were performing songs that he had written. And so the four of us girls got together just to perform a couple of songs for that tribute. And um, it took off from there. So, you know, at that time, I think, let's see. Um, can I, I think I had already done Tree of Life. And I, I think I'd already done Boyhood as well. It might've been right around that same time. And, you know, I kind of was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm not trying to be in a girl band. I don't even perform live, you know, unless I'm like singing back up for my brother sometimes, or, you know. I was writing songs with my boyfriend at the time. Um, uh, and anyway, I, I just was like really kind of resistant to it initially because I had this film acting career I was trying to get off the ground. And, and, it, and I, you know, I didn't ever stop pursuing it, but it's difficult to, to do that when you have a whole year of shows booked out in front of you. And so it felt like I was able to, I was returning back to something that I had kind of left waiting for me you know um so that you know I, I i don't there was a bit of aimlessness in terms of um do i still know how to do this mm. so you talk about imposter syndrome um you know that comes up <laughs> often for me you know for a long time it was almost like every time i was cast in something i was like am i really an actor do i really know how to do this Ugh. and um and, you know, it's funny because I've talked to other actors who say the same thing, that at the end of every gig, you're like, well, that was probably it. That was going to be the last thing I ever get to work on, you know, and, and every time you book something, you're like, do I really know how to do this? And um, that was at the time I just I felt like I was pretty rusty, you know, and I and I didn't know what it was going to look like and what opportunities I would be getting. You know, I was juggling being um, a mom of a little one, too. So, yeah. He, he got real familiar with going to auditions with me and, and being on set with me. And how did the accident change the way you thought about your career? Hmm. Or did it? Yeah, that I would say that's that was a, more of a significant shift at that point. Um, just because I, I, I knew, you know, this is. This is not a, com a computer a desk job. This is this is a this is a profession that relies heavily on your physicality and what you look like and what your your capabilities are, you know. And so I I knew that it would absolutely affect what roles I was offered. Um, I guess I was more thinking about the the roles that I wouldn't be offered. Mm. You know, it, it, I wasn't necessarily thinking about roles that I would be offered instead that I wouldn't have had the opportunity uh, for before. Yeah, but there wasn't. I mean, I don't want to presume because I put myself in your shoes and I think I would struggle to think about my future in the same way that I had if the physicality was such a part of the role that I would necessarily need to be playing. But it sounds like it was, there was not so much a foregone conclusion that you couldn't do it. It was just that it was going to happen in a different kind of a way. Or did it take some time to get to that place? Well, you know, so I, I remember being on the phone with my agent in the hospital within a few days after my leg was amputated. And, wow. And she called and she said, you know, um, she said, you know, I, 
this isn't a conversation that we need to have right now. Uh, you know, if you're not ready and I don't want to be presumptuous, but you know, is this something that you feel like you still want to do? And, um, you know, you can take your time, you, you know, whatever she was, you know, wanting to be very supportive. And in that moment, I remember going, Oh, <laughs> like it hadn't even occurred to me <laughs> that I wouldn't continue pursuing that because that part and, and what I said I, was like, I, I, it comes across in kind of like a snarky way, which it was not, it was just the most genuine answer in the moment. I just said, said, you know, but that part wasn't cut off of me. Oh, that's good. And, that you know, I just went, oh, I'm still me. I'm still, you know, I still am, have the same passions and, and drives that I did before. And that really goes with my, everything in my life. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Uh, and I am met with limitations and that's where, you know, the, the learning happens and, and, uh, and where those little momentary, you know, um, uh, triggers happen, you know, where I have to have a little bit more acceptance and a little bit more patience and, you know, so, uh, but yes, in terms of my career, it was, it was definitely, it hadn't even occurred to me. So good. I love that. I just think that is such a, like an amazing answer. I love that that is your truth. And I want to encourage whoever is listening right now, who has had something happen that they thought could never have happened. If you can stay connected to it, never having occurred to you that this thing might throw you off track. Congratulations. You are working on the thing that you're supposed to be working on because that's certainty. I mean, just like, I love it because man, that was just like a part of, it's a part of your truth. That is what you are. That's who you are. You are an actor. That's why you're here. It's part of why in one of the craziest things that could ever happen to someone, it wouldn't have occurred to you to have it not be a part of your story. I am curious in like the aftermath of that conversation, you obviously still have quite a recovery process ahead of you. I read that you'd said that losing your leg was a small price to pay for such a profound shift in perspective. So I'm curious in like the mental and physical sense, what was recovery like for you and how did that shift help? You know, what you were saying about not letting this kind of limit my uh, belief about what I could do or, you know, obviously there were, there were things that, you know, are just unavoidable and I just knew, but what I wanted to speak to is like other people and, and maybe to, to the, the listeners, um, you think about anyone uh, that came into this world as a, as a child, we don't have those senses of limitations and sort of like before we start comparing ourselves or, or deciding that, you know, we have to be X, Y, Z or have these certain things um, in order to, to pursue something, you know, I, I look at children and they, you know, my son thinks that he can do and be anything kind of right now, you know? And, and I, I, I think that there's something about that um, in that moment that, that like I was able to kind of get a glimpse of. And, and if, as much as we can preserve that sense that, you know, it's, it's comparing ourselves to others and usually limitations and 
and that kind of negative self-talk, it's usually comes from some sort of outside influence. Oh yeah. You know, because we don't come into the world just being like, well, I'm probably going to suck at all these things, but okay, I guess I'll try this one thing. Like kind of can, you know, it's, um, that's, that's outside influence. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of touch on that. Um, and, and so much of my inspiration, you know, really comes back to looking at the way that children treat themselves and, and, and each other. So It's such an important concept. I've been, I have a kid's book coming out in February and I wrote it in part because I'm trying with my own four-year-old daughter to put some of the things that I spend the rest of my life teaching adults to unlearn. I'm trying to teach her the truths before the world might tell her all of the things that she needs to be worried about or the limitations that exist. Because if for kids, they can actually just grow up believing the things that you're trying to ultimately <laughs> reteach adults to believe, you know, yeah. 30 and 40 years later, then maybe they've got a fighting chance to push back against some of those external influences. But it is there. It's just so much about programming. I, I, in coaching, I'm always asking people like, who did you think you could be before everyone else told you what you couldn't, you know? And like, if you can connect to that, maybe you can just keep pulling on those threads and build some mastery inside of a space that lets you show the rest of those doubters what you actually have as part of your capacity set. But um, it is something that if we listen to the noise, man, we can, we could be drowned by it. Yeah. Thank you for that. I, I would, I would love to um, get your book whenever that comes <laughs> Right on. I will make sure that you, you get a copy. Tell me, tell me about, I mean, I'm interested in the perspective shift, but tell me about your recovery because I'm just fascinated by anyone who has had something unexpected come up and how they're developing perseverance and grits and having to ultimately become stronger and learn how to have normal show up in a different kind of way now that it's, you know, different from what it once was. My recovery, when I think about my recovery, it's like I was on this kind of magic carpet, just coasting over the whole experience of having to relearn how to walk and relearn how to move around the world like this. Um, and that magic carpet was just gratitude. And that's going to sound maybe kind of, I don't know, silly or something that's not easy to like wrap your head around. But um, in the context of the accident itself, um, I, that what happened is I think why I was able to come out of that experience with such gratitude and relief. And, um, and that was, you know, the, the perspective shift, I can kind of touch on this a bit too here, but um, pre-accident, um, my, my son's dad and I had separated and, and Charlie, my son and I were living in Wimberley um, you know, I was predominantly a, a single mom and I was in a pretty, uh, dark place. I mean, there wasn't depression necessarily because, you know, I always recognized the, the beauty of life. And I think that I was just in such like despair about what I wasn't doing. And, um, yeah. and so I was, I had come like over those years was always sort of butting up against this, like a little bit of suicidal ideation 
and it was, it was like this like bright red exit sign in the room that just kind of wouldn't go away or it would flip on in the, you know right in the wrong moments and um it was just always this like um I was always trying to like talk myself into wanting to be here mm. and and not being very successful at it and just going you know I belong here and I'm not this you know waste of a person or the, a burden or um, worthless or the problem or you know whatever 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 names I, I could label myself as um, and feeling like you know people around me might be better off if I wasn't here wow. that was that was just kind of a running conversation that was like that was you know, just kind of breaking my heart and, and my, my spirit to, to kind of, you know, continue on. And of course that was not ever something I took serious that I was never going to actually try to do, but, um, that's not really living, you know, that's just, that was just kind of this in between space. And so when the accident happened and I was dying, and I was crossing over and it was a little bit like, here's your chance. Like you get to go. Yeah. You get to go. Um, and it was really peaceful and it was really loving. And it felt like, a, a, like the ultimate homecoming in a way. Um, um, the, the actual experience of, of dying and, you know, it wasn't scary. And and I knew that this was not my time. And that in that moment, I just like got very adamant. And it was, it was almost the moment that I valued myself most in my life. And I said, wow. no, I, I, I get to be here. I still have work to do. And, um, and so when I came back, man, it was like, I got this second chance. And also the circumstances of the accident and that, you know, my son had been right there. I'd been holding him about 20, 30 seconds before I was hit. I just set him down and he had walked off just a few feet away from me. My dad had just been standing next to me. We were all standing there talking and about what we were going to make for dinner. Um, it was game seven of the World Series and I've been a Cubs fan my whole life. So it was a big night. And wearing my lucky Cubs shirt that they later had to cut off of me. And, you know, just when I came out of surgery, realizing that um everybody was okay you know that that charlie was fine that my dad was fine nobody else was really hurt and all i lost was my leg it was it wasn't like i lost my fucking leg like it that wasn't that was like small potatoes i don't know how else to say it it was like that was all i lost you know my um my otherwise you know my, my body was pretty to shit and and i had some fractured ribs and needed some stitches but otherwise like you weren't holding your son you know i mean well, like you could I, have been holding your son and you weren't holding yeah i mean i you're i mean i just it's such an amazing thing that like in nearly dying you got a chance to appreciate life and the opportunity to live which um is beautiful i mean like mortality motivation is a thing that i talk about all the time and i don't i've never thought about it through the lens of this necessarily i always think of it like oh we only have a certain amount of days but like this epiphany 
pivot point in life was something that happened you wouldn't have, you would have never asked for and here it's going to be one of the things that ends up defining the legacy of the rest of your life yeah and you know as a father if if they had said look we had to take both your legs and your arms but your son is fine then yeah. i would have been like oh okay and i'm still here i still get to be a beating heart for him um you know <laughs> but that said you know the fact that it was just my leg and that there's technology available where I get to have kind of a fake robot-y one um, that gets me around. Um, you know, I have days that are where I'm frustrated with it and it's not working very well. And all the things that I still want to do in my life. And, you know, it's like my family, I had to laugh because I was the type of person that was always going, going, going super, you know, um, high functioning uh, and multitasking and couldn't be slowed down really, you know, my life. And uh, here I was, you know, really literally slowed down. And that was that part, the mental and, and psychological part of that was the, ch the challenge yeah. way more than physically learning how to walk again, you know, yeah. you had to take a shower like this or whatever, you know, you learn in, in a, PT. So, well, of all the things, I mean, the perspective piece ends up being the most amazing and appreciating what you have and this gratitude posture. Like, there's so much good. I've, one of the other good, and what ends up being a hard segue from an emotional moment is it also gave you this chance to play the roles like you did in Six, like you do in Titans, that would have otherwise not necessarily had the depth, or certainly for you the emotion that comes in the, the six in, in particular, having in the first year of your recovery, finding yourself back in this thing that you love in acting, but also portraying someone who had uh, been the victim of an IED. It's just like, there's beauty in that. There is something to me that's just, it's, it's extraordinary. And, um, and I, and I love the idea that like, yeah, it's not going to look the way that it may have. It may mean that certain roles aren't available, but yeah. um, there are going to be roles and you get to still stand in your truth, albeit with one prosthetic leg and be this person that you were you put here for now filled with gratitude and an appreciation for the life you have left to live. Oh, so good. Let's talk about Titans. I, I don't want to like not talk about the thing that you are uh, in real time excited about. Uh, third season of the HBO series Titans is a, a thing that will be happening in real time soon, shortly, when, I don't remember exactly, but uh, you play Barbara Gordon. For anyone who doesn't know what Titans is or the role that you play, will you give us just a little bit of like why people should be excited about this? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, so Titans is a, a show. They're in their. Um, we we are in our um, third season. It's on HBO Max. It is a a DC universe um, superhero show that is really actually somewhat dark. You know, it's it's not exactly intended for children for young children. Um, it's 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 uh, well done, and there are um, let's see. You know, I, this is where I start getting imposter syndrome is when I start trying to talk about, you know, DC characters, because a lot of this was a learning curve for me when I was cast as uh, Barbara Gordon. But um, for those who are familiar, at least with the Batman, you know, Batman's uh, stories, Jim Gordon uh, was the Gotham Police Department commissioner, and 
he is Barbara Gordon's father. So in the movies, he's usually, he's got red hair, he's got a mustache, glasses, and he's, he's the guy that, that puts the uh, bat signal up in the sky for Batman. And the two of them work um, together. Um, and so Barbara Gordon is his daughter. She grew up in Gotham. Um, part of the character's evolution, um, there's, there's lots of different incarnations of this character, but she becomes Batgirl. Um, when she's teenager, young adult, she's Batgirl, uh, working alongside Robin, uh, who's Dick Grayson um, during that time, and, uh, and Bruce Wayne, also known as Batman. And she is uh, shot by the Joker in the back and is paralyzed from the waist down and is chair bound. And so uh, during that time, her father is also killed by Mr. Freeze. And so she takes his position as the GCPD commissioner, Gotham City Police Department commissioner. And so that is, that's where we find um, Barbara Gordon. And she, she does in, in her storyline, she goes on to become Oracle. Um, and, um, you know, I can kind of stop there, but that's, uh, that's where we, we find my character, Barbara Gordon. That's awesome. I love it. I, having worked at Disney when I did, getting to spend time inside of the Marvel universe, the intricacies of backstory are like some of the most fascinating. I love, love things like this. And I, as much as I was immersed in superhero, would have the same kind of struggle being completely in the know for all the things. But um, it sounds awesome. And again, for anyone who's interested, it's on HBO Max. The show's called Titans. Please check out our friend Savannah there. All right. If people are interested, Savannah, in knowing anything more about you, want to know about any of the upcoming projects you have or follow you on social, where do you live inside the internet that we can let people know to follow, to go, to learn more? Yeah. I would say mostly Instagram. I'm, I'm on Instagram just as Savannah Welch. Um, I'm, I'm learning how to use Twitter. That's, that's my learning curve right now, currently. Um, but, you know, most anything that I put on Twitter will also be on Instagram. Um, so that's kind of where anything as far as, you know, acting, music. Um, uh, I do have a podcast that is in pre-production called Enough About Music. And there is an, an Instagram for that as well. Just, it's just called Enough About Music on Instagram. And um, so you can, you can stay up to, up to date on that there. That's awesome. Okay, now this was that was going to be my last question. Before the last question, I have to ask one more question because you have a podcast called Enough About Music, but also after the Trishas stopped being everyone's main gig, I know Kelly and Jamie have gone on to pursue some solo stuff. Is there any part of their having done what they do or your history with music? Is there any bug at all for you to kind of get back into music at all, or is acting the thing for the foreseeable future? Oh man, I am missing playing music so much. Um, I think about it, you know, it's getting to where I'm thinking about it every day now, now, uh, lately, you know, mostly getting to collaborate with other people. I do miss playing live. Um, and it's always been something that I've, I've wanted to do. It's always kind of been lingering in the, in the back of my mind to do a solo project. I have many 
songs, just, you know, a pile of songs. Lots of them are not as relevant um, as they, as, you know, as they were before in my life, but I've got a lot of songs that I either co-wrote with other people and other people cut or, you know, songs I just, you know, maybe didn't make it on Trish's records or, you know, things that I, and I, and I was able to do some writing last year during the pandemic. Um, so I think that there is, you know, that bug probably will never fully leave. <laughs> well, maybe as a part of homeschooling, music appreciation will come up as one of the pieces of curriculum and you and your son can finish an album. Anyway, yeah. throwing it out there in the universe. Uh, all right. For the last question, every episode we ask the same question of our guests. And this question is, if you could share a single takeaway with the audience, it could be a question or an actionable piece of advice, an idea. What is the single thing that you would leave with our listeners today? Uh, there's so much divisive conversation happening in the world on so many levels right now. And um, I think... The thing that I'm finding on every level, whether it's, you know, conversations within my family or, or on a bigger scale, um, just the very simple act, you know, of like, like we always say, walk in another person's shoes. If you can have, you know, the kind of open your scope to a wider lens to look at what life might be like from somebody else's um, vantage point. And, and, and that is just, you know, to inspire some empathy, to, to have compassion. Um, I, I really think that it could, it would just diffuse so much conflict. And that's, uh, you know, probably not said in the most eloquent way, but that's the thing that I kind of am like returning to over and over in, in my my life right now is uh, how to do that. This is why we do this show. Bring some stories of someone who might have had a different life experience just to soften a little of the sharp edges of the heart, to give people a chance to walk alongside or in the shoes of, to build a little bit of an empathy bridge. I think it's a fantastic recommendation and frankly would solve so much of what ends up being the divisiveness that exists in our world. So thank you, Savannah. I appreciate you so much. Listener, if you took anything from this episode, and I don't know how you couldn't have, please take a picture of the episode on the device that you were listening to, tag Savannah, and tag myself. Let us know what you took away. Share it with every person you've ever met in your entire life. And between now and next week, I'm going to give you two pieces. Number one, might you stay connected that you are not finished loving the people that you love as the inspiration to keep on going like Savannah has in her life? And two, might you find a way to walk in the shoes of someone else so that through compassion, we build a little bit more empathy. Thank you, Savannah, for being here today. We will see you next week on the Rise Together podcast.